1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, episode 111. 111. Not 111? No, no, no 111. <laughs> it's one, it's 111. I think you caught enough grief off of that to yeah, I know. kill a cow. That's <laughs> the truth. But we are back in our home studios, back from Ohio. What a great trip that we actually had. Um, and this episode is going to do a little bit of recap, but this is your boy East Coast Trev and always joined by... This is Steve. Just Steve, man. Just hanging it, man. It's always cool to be... We had a great trip. Back to be home. Back to be home. I can't even talk, Steve. Got me all <laughs> That makes up for the 111. <laughs> yeah, got me all flustered up. I will hear probably shit about that one, but it is what it is, but... So what's going on in the world of Steven? I know that everything's been kind of crazy and your trail cameras have been off the charts and everything else, man. What What's going on? I don't know, dude. Our, our timing to Ohio was the timing we wanted. I just never expected that in our camp down in Southern Virginia, it would be absurd is the only word mm -hmm. I can use. I mean, it's a property that, you know, it's still in development. It's an old pine grove. And we've talked about it before. We've got people going in to cut in plots, get things rolling. Well, right now it's just like senderos like you'd see in Texas, you know, just straight long pass through the pines. And we've got a couple of cameras out. And these things are blowing up with deer we've never seen and just absolute freaks. Good buddy. And you've of mine. really not, have you done anything differently from last year? Like what has been done in transformation from last year to now? So, one key point that I'll attribute to it and I'll swear by it is this property this year, we didn't go down and run trails. We didn't trim back trees. We weren't in there through the summer working on, you know, drainages and equipment running around. You know, we used to usually go in once every two months for three or four days to work on it. This year we didn't, I think we trimmed the trails twice hmm. and the neighbors aren't on it. Other people haven't been on. I mean, it's just, it's been empty. And it goes to show like what, what actually, how important it is to not, not enter a lot of property. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I bring my ATV or my side-by-side -side or UTV on oh, the yeah. property or I do this. The deer are so accustomed to it. But in all reality, I don't really feel that they are. No, I, and this proves it because like I said, this property, we never see anything but, you know, spikes, four corns and does occasionally during this time of year you'll see something where the rat come through but that's it and usually we're running tractors throughout the property 
We're running golf carts throughout the property, mm-hmm. you know, making noise, working on crap. And this year that didn't happen. And now we've got real deer. And I say that, you know, by any standards, not just Virginia standards. I've got a six point that if he comes by, I'm going to shoot him over anything. I mean, this thing, it's got baseball bats with needles coming out the top and that's it. I mean, he's wild looking, but good buddy, partner on the property went down there the uh, last week archery season while we were in Ohio and he slammed a friggin' giant 10 point with a crossbow. He's not an archery hunter, but I told him you need to get down there a week before muzzleloader. And I'll be damned if he didn't go down there and was sitting right in the action. He messaged me. He's like, I haven't set a single stand and not seen a shooter deer. He said, I've seen two bigger than the one I've shot, but I felt bad for shooting them because I want to keep them here. And now he's sending me pictures and going, hey, is that a shooter? Is that a shooter? And I'm going, I'll be damned. This is an old timer from Pennsylvania that would shoot anything with horns. And now he's sitting back going, whoa. I need to think about this because last year we started passing deer down there and now we've got n- nice bucks and I think it clicked. That's crazy. So between the drop of pressure, to pay off. yeah, the, the lack of pressure and letting the little guys go, we're starting to see some tremendous stuff. So I'm, I'm jacked. I can't wait to get these plots in, you know, we're putting 10 acres of plots in on a hundred acres. There's a 20 acre alfalfa field on the property. It's going to get crazy next year. So but you have to keep that separation of having tractors. So you have to do it kind of earlier in the season and then shut everything down. So well, that the we're, we're kind of making the plan that once they cut it, that's going to be an off year. We're not going to hunt it. We're not going to do anything. We're literally going to focus all on property management, getting the plots taken care of, getting them planted, getting all of the fertilizing, all of that done. Let it rest through that uh, winter, spring, and summer and have it ready for the following season. So... That way, in theory, everything has time to get comfortable, make themselves at home, call it good. Hmm. Then it'll get yeah. crazy. I'm saying when you start doing the plots and stuff, then, you know, at a certain point where there is no more motor vehicles, no more nothing. Right. In the time, because then you're just, you're back into the same exact realm that you were before. Well, the upside to it. So right now there's literally nothing for the deer on the property. Like there, there's a a little wet bottom that goes through the middle. The rest of it, it's just pines. I think we have three oaks on the entire property. It sounds like Georgia. Yeah, you can't walk through it. Kudzu vines and freaking thorns and briars everywhere. So it's all bedding. That's literally 100% bedding. There's no food source on it. There is nothing in there to keep a buck on it. I mean, it's heaven for does. We have does year round. Mm -hmm. But that's what's bringing them bucks there but before there was movement on there and right motor vehicles and so on and so forth so why would they want to go there yeah they can jump across the north carolina border and they can hang out in the oak groves and not do anything mm-hmm. until it's time to breed whereas yeah, now we add in nuts. food source we add in water we add in access and abilities to move in on these plots with winds instead of just going well this is the trail it's my only choice mm-hmm. you know we'll be be able to really go in there and and hunt this thing strategically and really grow some nice deer. That's good. So no, that's definitely cool. And it's it. I know that you were kind of like perturbed because all all your trail cameras are going off while you're in Ohio, <laughs> and that that always <laughs> who'd, happens because who'd have told when you I that, get man. <laughs> when I get in the state of Ohio, I literally turn off my Connecticut cameras. Yeah. I don't want to see them. I don't want to know, or I turn off well, the notification. It happened to you last year too. 
The whole time mm-hmm. we were in Ohio, your deer were blowing up. I mean, it happens all the time. And granted, I've always said no, everywhere I've ever hunted, that weekend around Halloween is my favorite place, favorite time mm-hmm. to hunt. Doesn't matter where you are. You know, you get that early seeking, that early searching. And I, I've always seen more deer movement during that, that time during in daylight than I ever have during the rut. You know, because then it's, then it's a matter of luck. But if you know Being where the does right are bedding the right and you time. can set up on that bedding... You see more, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, like that that week, it seems like, you know, it's always. I mean, obviously, we choose that week for a reason to be down the down somewhere, you know. And and that's the thing is, like being at home, there was a ton of deer that got killed while I was gone. I mean, a pile of them. Not, you know, not the giants. Like that's that's. I think that's to come after this week. I think uh, after this yeah, weekend. That, I think that's next, just building. Or, the big guys this, are just starting to move. I think. So this is gonna go probably. So probably next week is when it's going to be probably the best up here for big deer. And then the movement of daylight, like it's starting to pick up. But like I was down there and then I come back just like you were down there. And then you went back and you hunted and like Dead. it was slow as hell. Dead. You're like, what in the hell is going on? Temperature like, it's so was weird. going up. Pressure was going down. I mean, it, I mean, those it was deer 80 still degrees moving. today. The deer are still moving. I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting videos and stuff. Oh, and no, pictures don't, of the don't deer get me wrong. Moving, where I showed like, you that six point, I had yeah. a freaking giant tall eight point come walking out at 8 30 today right behind a doe yeah i mean it's happening but it's just like it there's like the whatever it's kind of like a lull or a lockdown kind of thing that, until that's they really start what i think we're seeing next... is they're starting to move into lockdown on these does so it, and and then they're going to go back into search here in the next couple of days i feel like right. so it's it's they're finding those first does that come into heat and then kind of moving on from there and it we'll see what happens i'm gonna sit I'm going to start sitting real heavy here in the next couple of days to kind of really see what the hell is going on. You're not going to be able to miss out on that. No. No, and that's our plan is Veterans Day we're going to roll out and we're just going to set up and work that property. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping one my target on this one is this big six point. Yes, I said that. It's a big six point. I'm going to shoot a big that's six cool. point if he comes out because this thing is nah, unique cool. as hell. It is cool. And if anything better walks out, It'll probably get shot too because I've got three buck tags. <laughs> so that's nuts having three buck tags. We, I mean, like coming like our state always like we always think that Connecticut has so many tags, but when you told me three buck tags, I was like, three. Yeah, that's a lot because we get two with the bow. Yeah, three buck tag, three doe tag, and Jeez. when you fill them, you can go buy more. So but you were saying that you there's a there's certain days that you can shoot the does though. So in that particular county, there are sections in Virginia that have dedicated doe-only days. And they're typically around the areas where they run hounds. So this was done in limit to having hound hunters kill off the doe population. You know, because when you whack 20 does a day for three years, yeah, your doe population is going to take a dive. So two years ago, they implemented doe-only days. And you can only shoot does on those three or four days. The rest of the year in those counties, it is front. Well, let me take that back from muzzleloader through rifle is buck only. So they'll say these three days you can shoot does. Everything else, you can only shoot bucks. And it's implement that. It's played hell on the dog hunters. They hate it. Drives them off the wall. Doesn't break my heart. Not against dog hunting. It's just not my thing. 
but well, I don't think it's again, it's being against dog hunting. There has to be some type of moderation to them though. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? There has to be, I, it's not that you're against or for dog hunting. It's just that everybody has to be regulated at some, at some point. Right. And, well, and you think about it, say you got a group of 20 guys and they all have dogs and you circle a thousand acre block of woods, you turn the dogs loose. Everybody's got three doe tags. Well, every doe that runs by is going to get whacked. Mm-hmm. And then they have res- internally, most clubs have restrictions on the bucks. You know, some of them, if it fits in a bucket, you can't shoot it. Or if it ain't outside the ears or, you know, and they'll actually, they'll penalize you within the club. If you shoot something oh, really? too small. But does, doesn't matter. They hammer on them. So that's why the state went through and created these areas that, you know, you can only that's shoot smart. does on certain days. That's totally smart, man. I think it's a... That's a that's a win win in everybody's scenario. The guys can still dog hunt on certain days and shoot does, but it's regulated, and then it doesn't kill off all the doe population. Now, if only I could get them to them. implement an antler restriction. Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of states need that. You know, and 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 the ones that have taken it on, I'm very surprised that they have. Like a lot of the northern the the northern states have taken it on. Maine, Vermont, and some of the counties in Vermont is two up. Um, yeah, Pennsylvania's four up. I mean, it's. I think it's a good thing. They should have it across the board. I mean, especially in a state that has a ton of tags. Like, we have a ton of tags, and we should have to do the same. I mean, that's one thing I do like about hunting in Ohio is Ohio is, is only allowed one buck, and it doesn't matter what you take it with. Like, I think it's a smart thing. Like, I, if you take it with a bow, you're not going to be able to hunt with a gun, you right. know, unless you're doe hunting. Like. I think it's a smart thing. I mean, look at their population. Look at the quality of deer. There's a reason why. It's because of that reason. But it being such a destination state, the amount of people that we see. But <laughs> this year, before this year oh, was certainly big on the destination spot. Let's let's not go crazy on it, real quick. I let's um let's go let's break into uh, just thanking the partners real quick and kind of before we dive right into the craziness of everything. Um, because if I know where this is all going to go, and this is going to, it's going to be a downhill uh, slope real quickly. So, um, and we'll be lost for track. And so, let's thank those guys first, and then we'll get on to uh, the nitty gritty, the meat and the potatoes. What do you say? Hit it off. All right, brother. Uh, Novix, Novix Outdoors. Use uh, promo code Outdoor Drive fifteen on that one. Get yourself the uh, the Novix sticks stands. You actually hunted with the mini sticks. And- Thoughts. I will tell you, so I've ran steps, I've ran lone wolf sticks, I've ran hawk sticks, I've ran like the the old-fashioned stick-together sticks. I will never go back to anything but these two-step minis. Holy crap, does that make it easy. Like I The packability, too. I was efficient with the steps. I could get up a tree quick and high, and you mix it up and you throw these things in here, you know, Literally, I went through and I, I filmed my climb, and I went from ground to ready to hunt in six minutes. Didn't make a single sound, smooth, didn't have to fight nothing, and they just, they fit your bag, they're comfortable, they're light, and when you throw some of the mods we did on there, mm-hmm. God, dude, never again. I mean, yeah. I'm sold. Huge shout out to Vital Outdoors, uh, Matt over there. Uh, he built he built us a, a killer system with the uh, aiders and the rope mods, and they're unstoppable. 
I mean, you don't no don't worry about cam buckles. Now you're getting, I mean, 22 inches higher because you have a 22 inch step on it, so it's like having full sticks. Um, but with the packability and the lightness of a regular, you know, the minis. So yeah, I mean, four steps. I'll tell you right now, four steps will get you 24 feet in the air without a with problem. With the aiders, not even stretching with the aider. Yeah, that that's it's just wild. hanging and climbing. There were mm-hmm. there was two situations I actually only needed three sticks and used my fourth stick as just an offset to stand on. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Um, latitude Outdoors, LatitudeOutdoors.com. Um, they make the best um, metalist saddle on the market, in my opinion. Uh, I hunted all day in the um, Classic 2, and Steven was hunting with the Method 2. Um, I love it. I love both saddles. I think they're comfortable. They're quiet. They work well. The, every feature that you possibly could think of, they have. So they're real good there. Gator Outdoors, GatorOutdoors.com. Uh, be the reason. If you guys haven't signed up yet for that, um, you can hit us up on any social media platform, and we will get you over to the link to that. Uh, it's actually also on their website also. And you will get a T-shirt, a hat, and your QR card um, in the mail shortly, actually. Uh, also, Norrister Game Calls, NorristerGameCalls.com, um, the Outdoor Drive Series Grunt Tubes. Uh, there's a couple left, not very many at all. Um, we've been selling through those pretty quickly, and there is a couple more on the website. A lot of cool stuff coming from them as far as um, the cool things to come for the off-season stuff, so stay tuned with that, NorristerGameCalls.com. And um, that is it. Sweet. Did I forget anybody? I think uh, we're good. All right. Sounds good. Good enough, right? If not, um, we apologize. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to add to it, guys. If you guys haven't gone over to our Apple and give us a five-star review or a five-star rating with any type of review is perfectly fine by us. Um, if you guys can just go on over there, like and share um, also our YouTube page. Subscribe on that. Notifications. Steven's doing a phenomenal job on the YouTube side. Um, there is a great video on there with Bones's kill for his public land mobile hunting if you guys didn't if you missed out on that episode 109 oh no it's 1010 um (laughs) there it is the previous episode uh you want to listen to that and then follow it up with the youtube uh more videos and stuff to come from our ohio hunt and uh we're gonna break it down for us for you here right now on the outdoor drive start breaking it down (laughs) <laughs> where, where do you want to start yeah where do you want to start the three um, million people in the woods the uh, two million dude, crossbow hunters the I, i'll tell you this man and you know it's funny is i started to think about it right as the hunt as a whole uh when i had got home and i was like so when we're gonna podcast you know what am i gonna talk about what am i gonna say you know what what are the highs lows points what did i learn from it um and my whole thing is this I think I f- where my failure to to connect was in being over mobile. And what I mean by that is constantly moving around. So like when I had first gotten there and hunted, I was on does and I was there a little bit earlier than you, scouted a little bit and was on deer the whole entire time. Like I constantly on small bucks, does, so on and so forth and then deciding that it was a good idea to like keep moving and keep scouting and keep moving and keep scouting and like i think that it kind of screwed me up if you just stayed in one spot and hunted i probably would have been better off the reason why and one of the things that 
kind of kept me moving was every single time that I would go in, I would have somebody come in on me constantly. Somebody would always be in the woods. Like in the morning, I'd have to flashlight people or they would be flashlighting me or, you know, I had that one off um, <laughs> with dude. I'm sitting in the stand in a spot that's absolutely great. And I had gotten in there. It was like maybe nine o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting in the tree stand and there had been this little non-typical buck. He's like fork on one side, big fork on one side. And then he had like three or four points on the other side, like a half of a rack. And this deer come in and he hit the scrape line every single time I was in there and I'd watch him and he'd come down the scrape, he'd hit it. And it was cool just to watch him. I'm videotaping him. It was just like really cool to watch. And he comes down, he hits the first scrape. He's messing around with the tree, tearing it up. He's pissing in the scrape. I'm videoing him. He gets to the second one. Now, mind you, they're beech trees, and there's like three or four at each one. So he's hitting every single one. So he gets to about the third beech tree, and I'm watching him. And he's like 60, 80 yards. Then he goes to the next one. It's like 100, maybe 120 yards away. And I'm watching him, and I hear, I'm like, what the fuck is that? I mean, I knew what the sound was, right? I mean, it's it just, not like it was just no took secret, a minute to register. You're just, like, you're just like, what? Why would anybody shoot at that deer? Like, what? So he comes running back, and now he's underneath my stand at like 25 yards. And I'm like, I'm, I got the camera, and I'm like scoping over him. Like, does he have a hole in him? Does he have a hole? And obviously, for you guys that don't know, it was a crossbow, and I could hear it, the snap on it. And, um, so he's just like looking in the direction of where he came from. The buck is, and I'm looking at the buck, making sure he's got no holes in him, so on and so forth. And then I'm thinking to myself too, I'm like, just to prove a point since he has no holes in him, I just, I should probably just shoot this deer. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Trevor. Don't do this. Don't, don't do that. Don't be that guy. So, um, he's still watching and they stand there for like three minutes and then he takes off running. And I look up, and here comes the hunter. And he's coming down, coming down. He's got – I remember it very, very well. He had a crossbow, and then he had, like, a, one of those cushion seats yeah. on his butt, and it was just, like, flapping down. So my my conclusion is that he was sitting on the ground over there. He must have snuck in, was sitting on the ground, and then was going to keep on continuing. So he starts to go to, like, where his arrow is, and <clears throat> I'm watching him, and then he gets out in front of me, not maybe, like, 60, 80 yards. And I whistle at him, and I'm like, and then he just keeps moving. So I whistle again. I'm like, dude, come on. What, why are you, what, just, what are you doing? Like, acknowledge that I'm here, please. And he just keeps on going, keeps on going, keeps on going. And then he whistles back when he gets out of range. And I'm like, what? So anyway, so I just watch him. He goes up the peninsula, and he keeps going. And then I'm like, oh, it is what it is. It was like 2.30, 3 o'clock. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. He's out of the way. We'll keep on hunting. So then it's like 6.30. And there's like a half an hour of light left. And I hear... Like 25 fucking times. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's literally going to be that guy who comes up and behind me and starts whistling at me? Yeah. I'm like, dude, seriously? Like... Just keep going on your way. Like, you know I'm there. You know I'm sitting in there. Like, why would you even bother in doing something like that? Like, just total ignorance. Like, 
Why would you do that? That's just the stupidest thing ever. And then so that kind of like just kind of fueled the fire to like, why would I go back into that spot? Like that guy could totally be there again or whatever the case may be, because it was just a ton of people in there. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's just it's nonsense. You're not alone. There was one spot that I'd gone into. I think it was the third or fourth morning we were there, like the first good huntable morning. Mm-hmm. And I moved in to a spot that I'd found had a couple real nice fresh scrapes, a couple good rubs, and it was a beautiful choke point. And uh, got in there and kind of got to the tree and went to set up. And I get about halfway up the tree and I look over and there's six headlights coming to me. Six? There were six headlights. And this block of woods, let me tell you, is only 100 yards wide. You can only go so far one way. And they discovered why. And they're, it literally looked like they were doing a, a drive across this field at 5.30 in the morning. You know, I headlight them and whatnot. They just keep on coming. So I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because they're coming the wrong way. They're coming from where the deer should be returning, coming into the bed. So I got down and I knew a couple spots further in that we had found last year. Mm-hmm. So I got down and started making my way back to them, to those waypoints. And I look back. And two of the headlamps are following me. Like these dudes literally just started following me. I was like, are you kidding me? I turned around and flashed them and I kept going and almost got to where I was going. And turned around, they were still coming. So I said, screw it. And I dipped out and circled around and got back to another spot and just ended up sitting for the morning. And I think I left at 8.30 or 9 there was a, a patch of green soybean fields that I just, I'd gone up two sticks and was just kind of watching to see. And I got back to the truck and they were already coming back out of the woods. I was like, what are you guys doing? I threw my stuff in the truck and bailed. And every time we've ever gone to this area, we've never seen anyone in there ever. I don't understand that as a whole. Like there last year, I mean, there was very little pressure, if any. Mm-hmm. This and year, this year, I don't know what happened, man. It got crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, like the area where I had shot my deer, where we had hunted, there was literally. I would drive because I was parking in that area and going in further, and every single day that I was there was like three or four trucks parked there, and I'm like, why are what the f- like? Dude, you gotta be, and they're coming out of that block of woods. Like at the night, at at oh, down yeah. at, at sundown, I'm sitting there and I'm packing out my stuff, and these guys are coming out of that block of woods, and I'm like, dude, seriously? Like, what? What the hell? And the one time that I did go in there, guy walks in on me. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. And you hunted in there. Did you see anybody in that block of woods when you went in there? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw three different people in there. Oh my lord! Like. Walking friggin' tree lines on field edges at, you know, 30 minutes before legal shooting light ends, right where the deer Jeez. were going through. I was like, well, it kills that direction. But That's uh, nuts. my hopes is that they were going to blow something out and run it back to me. Did see you know, a couple little guys and a little young buck that looked like he'd, <clears throat> excuse me, had his uh, tail whipped quite substantially. But uh, he got his lickings. Oh, <laughs> this deer couldn't hardly walk. Like, That's to the point I thought someone shot him. Yeah. <laughs> this thing was... He he took a beating. <laughs> he realized he's not a fighter. <laughs> that time, time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
good activity in there until the people started moving. But I mean, that that's kind of what really ran this whole hunt is we ended up in spots that we knew nothing about. You know, just kind of went in blind and scouted and set up on what we could find and hunted. I mean, it, it paid off in its own rights. We did all find deer, but not the way we wanted. You know, yeah. not, not what we had nailed down, I'll say. And it's, it, I think a lot of the things that had caused a lot of the problems too was that there was standing corn for like 300 and something acres. Oh yeah. And, and that pretty much ruined all of our good spots. Cause every spot that I had marked, like I'm going here on this wind, I'm going here on this wind, I'm going here on this wind. Everything was surrounded by standing corn. And, and at that point, would literally come yeah. out of there right into it. You, you can literally drop your percentage by 60% right there. Cause every deer I did see at any location was headed to the corn. Didn't mm-hmm. matter what time of day. And I feel as if we were there a week later that the corn, if the corn was still up, like if we were down there now, that the corn may not be as effective because. Yeah, the they're, they're push pushing the them into the out thick of stuff. It. Right. But now I, I think it was a little bit, we were a little bit behind the ball where the deer are still living inside that corn, that it wasn't at the right. point in the rut where them deer are getting pushed out of the corn. And it was, it was a frustrating thing. You know, and you constantly were on deer, but you weren't on the right deer. And, like, I didn't see a shooter until almost, like, the last two or three days of me being there. Like, I didn't see a target buck, per se, until the last day. And I saw the Big Ten Mm -hmm. at 70 yards in the thick shit going to the corn. And it's, 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 it's a frustrating thing, man. Like, you know, like, I had taken the ride to go almost two hours to the east of where we were hunting. Yeah, you and, hit up two different, completely opposite blocks of public we'd never been to. Is no, how bad and it constantly, was. constantly moving around. Like, yeah, did I, did I, did I find and get on deer? Yeah, but like, I'm hunting areas that we probably we never hunted before. Actually, speaking of, my camera's still down there. <laughs> oh, jeez. I left it there, dude. I was not walking the mile and a half in back into where my camera was because I was so set on hunting in there and then hunting in there and not seeing anything. And then my camera being in there. Well, guess what? On my ride home, my camera ended up hitting, and it was like a 150 walked by my camera. Yeah, that's I was all like, right. oh, it's pretty cool. And then, of You're course, I didn't season. have. You'll, yeah, you'll but I had alkalines. Uh, I had alkaline batteries in there, and guess cold what? Cold weather's It got cold and killed it. <laughs> yep. Enough said. So it was kind of one of those things, but um, yeah, I mean, just moving around. I mean, the the. Um, we had moved up to uh, one of the other areas. Um, I went and hunted with Cody up in the other area um, that was near where he, his house was. He had some cameras up there, so on and so forth, and was showing us um, this non-typical buck up there. And we went there just to target that deer and had hunted there for two days, three days. And that deer was in the same block of woods as we were, and somebody had short sat right behind us, like maybe like 250 yards. And the deer came down and he ended up shooting at it and it ended up pushing it into another block of woods that somebody had shot the neck. He they had shot it the next morning. And that story is kind of crazy because so we the guy when we had walk, were walking into the spot, there was a guy down in the down in the neck of the um, like the drainage ditch. And I had seen him and we just kept moving forward. And that night when we had walked out, there was two guys and they were had flashlights and it was dark out. And we stopped and we're like, they're like, oh, did you see anything? We're like, 
Nah, a couple does, and we had seen a we seen a big buck and a smaller buck, and but we didn't say that to him. And so they're like, we're like, what'd you see? And it was like, oh, we just seen a small buck, a uh, small doe. And I was like, oh yeah, I heard it blowing. And they're like, yeah, I don't know why it was blowing. Like it must've been blowing at you and me knowing like my thermals. And so I'm like, no, it was definitely not blowing at me, but I'm not saying anything at this point. Right. I'm just keeping my mouth shut. And the guy's standing there and he's like, um, he, he's just having normal conversation with us. And so we're about to, we're about to walk out. And the dude's like, hold on, man. Since you guys are like nice guys, let me tell you the whole thing of what happened. And we're like, oh, really? What happened? So the big buck had come down and got in front of him and was at like 20 yards. And he had he had totally just had crazy buck fever. And he ended up shooting a tree and <sighs> missing the buck. So then the buck takes off. And w- what had happened was the doe that had blown was because he had shot at the buck. And the doe had freaked out and blew at him and went the other way. And then the buck came around and he shot at him again at 50 yards and Jesus. ended up missing him completely. And then what happened was it had pushed him across the dirt road and then out into another block of woods. And so we we're like, ah, whatever. So we didn't have him on camera or anything like that. But I had gone back in the morning and I had hunted inside the same block. And um, I had gotten down about uh, maybe 12 o'clock. And just went into town and got some food and something to drink because I forgot all my snacks. And I come back and I'm sitting at the truck and I'm putting my boots on. And there's this little tiny, like, uh, white pickup truck that drives by me. And the guy just waves. I remember he had longer hair. He waves to me as he's going, you know, like he's going by. So I just wave, whatever, don't know nothing. And as he starts to go past me, his cap door in the back of his truck is open and there's the buck just laying up against the side of the cap the one that we had been after and mind you it's like one o'clock two o'clock in the afternoon and i'm like dude you gotta be kidding me i'm like that's him that's the buck like no like that's him like he's dead like well like totally took the wind right out of your sails right and so i had gotten to my stand and i'm sitting up there and totally through everything walk uh just just looking at facebook as always in the thing and i see the deer and i'm like no freaking real quick way. to throw it on social wasn't he he was on show well the thing he didn't so throw it on social to brag about it or anything he was throwing on social because he was looking for a taxidermist to take care of it because he is also out of state he's from new hampshire gotcha so he was just putting it up to look for a taxidermist God, that was the in midwesterners the must absolutely hate when us easterners the go there yep <laughs> Yep, exactly. I mean, and so I had messaged him, man. I sent him a trail cam picture. I congratulated him. I said, it's an amazing thing, man. I was in here targeting this buck. I had moved from another area to come up here to haunt that deer, man. I'm glad that, you know, not in here waste my time knowing that there was a ghost. And congratulations, man. Uh, this is a taxidermist I use when I'm here. He freezes everything up, takes care of everything to get you back home or whatever. You can use them. You know, I, I mean, I reached out to him, you know, just to congratulate him. I right. thought it was amazing. He shot it at 8.40 in the morning, and he wasn't all that far away from me. So pretty cool. You know, it was a pretty cool story, and it was kind of an end to a legend. So it was kind of – it was kind of uh, – it was bittersweet, really bittersweet. Yeah, it's all right. We know there are two hundos in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> no, 120s. No yeah, 120. <laughs> 120 123s. They're not even 125s. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had quite the experience. Why don't we get into that, man, because – you you actually were able to pull the trigger on a buck. Oh, must we? 
<laughs> well, of course. I mean, what what else would this be? No. We, we only had the gravy, man. We didn't have the meat yet. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> That's the important part. Yeah, so I did get a shot off. And funny enough how it all worked out. Uh, it's almost like we manifested it. Because <laughs> I've been joking this whole time that I was going to go into the, this particular block that borders up to a particular piece of private and I was going to shoot one of the bucks off of this guy's property. Just You're shooting the liberal bucks. Yeah, just just cuz he was a a dick. I was going to give him some of them liberal tears. <laughs> and I'd gone in one evening after getting it was actually that evening I got blown out from the the drive of crossbow hunters. Went in, found real good sign, dumped into the woods, picked up just found a tree set in it just to kind of observe and ended up having uh, let's see, it was three does and two button bucks come in, which on later review, I should have shot one of them. Uh, did see an absolute unicorn, and we have it on film. It is a double throat patch button doe. It exists. We have the video. <laughs> and she's like a Some trophy will not understand. Doe. Some of them will not understand, but some of them will. Yeah. If you get the reference, you'll understand it. This one actually is real. Like, yeah, to the point I had to send it to Kurt. And I was like, you're not going to believe this, dude. What did Kurt say when you sent it to him? He just said, wow. Because <laughs> I kid you not, this doe had a inch and a half, two inch button going up her head. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. If I would have known that and could have had clear view, I probably would have shot her just because. It was, it was a, uh, so hold on. It was an actual doe? It was an actual doe. Double throat patch. She had two fawns with her, or two button bucks with her. She so came it was in. An antler, and, a double patch antler doe. Yes. Only she was, you know, it was inch and a half to two inches long, still in velvet. Just one. Two. Both sides. No, I, dude, I thought it was more of a reference joke when you had sent it to me. I no. had to relook at this now. Yeah. Like, I had to zoom in on the video and everything. I was like, no way. And wow, I thought it was just a button buck and you were joking. No, like, she, I didn't realize that it was like that. You'll see the video and you'll see the button or the actual button bucks next to her. And she's three times their size. I mean, she's a mature doe. She's a full on what? double throat patch button doe. Like it's it was absurd. It's a unicorn. Oh, you're not kidding. No. It, it's a legitimate button doe. I mean, that's a three and a half, four and a half year old doe by any means. Wow. Body wise, All she's right. bigger than our bucks here. Wow, I didn't realize that, bro. Like I honestly did not realize at all. Like it. I thought that it was just a button buck and you were just making a reference, like a funny joke that it was a double patch button dough. Like I, I didn't realize that, but no, yeah, it's, now it's I a, see a legit it with, the, with, button the, dough with double throat wow. patch. All right, then. All right, go on with your story. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good, man. I was just taken back by that. That's well, like absolutely said, wild. I didn't even notice it until I started playing with the video and I was like, holy crap, you got to see this. It's got to so, follow us. It's the button dough thing. It's it's, it's, it's yeah. It's like just I meant said, to be. if if I would have known, I would have definitely put her down and I would have mounted her. Just because I mean it's it's so friggin' unique. I'd never seen that in real life. I thought it was a joke till now. We we heard a lot of stories about it in our past lives, but <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, that one I would almost get done and donate it to a particular gel cell in the future. <laughs> like, hey, founder. <laughs> founder. It actually does exist. We know he listens, so no. at least. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I, I took the information from that night, watched where they were coming from, and took the next morning off because I cannot access that particular chunk of woods in the day or in the, the morning because the only way in is through where they're feeding. Break that down a little bit so people kind of understand and they can get a picture of what. So where I was set up was the entrance is through a field. And this field is actually set up by the Ohio DNR as a dove hunting field, a bird field. And it had standing milo in it. It had alfalfa in it. It had some standing corn in it. And it was all in rows, you know, to make it good for bird hunters. Well, it's the only green in the area. Every deer in the block of wood surrounding it were coming in to feed. So I waited, when I went in initially, I waited till noon because I didn't want to blow anything out in the morning. Got in, the field edges were destroyed. Scrapes and rubs everywhere, tracks everywhere. You could see where they've been hammering all of the ag. And the only way in is right through it. So there's no way I was going to risk going in in the morning. Because there's no way I could get through without blowing them and beat them back to the bed. So the next evening I went in. Went in a little earlier. I think it was like noon. And followed that trail to where they came out. Took it back in. I think I made it another 300 yards or so. Right to the, the corner of these properties that I wanted to sit and again, I was like thinking, observation, I want to sit here, see what's happening deeper before I make a final move. So I get set up, I get into the tree, everything's hung and ready to go. I was like, okay, camera's good, you know, did my, my pre-hunt, did my film of the area, settle back. And I sit back in the chair and I think after about 30 minutes, I'm going, okay, could be a long evening waiting for something to move. And I look down and there's a 125 inch eight point 10 yards in front of me. Dead broadside, no care, just sitting there munching away on acorns. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me right now. So 323, like it, it's embedded in my mind. I was able to get the bow flipped the camera lens open, but couldn't hit record and get it turned. So it's open and recording on the film, but I couldn't get to it to get it turned on the deer. And I was like, you know what? The way this hunt's going, all the pressure, everything going on, I'm shooting this deer. And I get the bow, hook on, draw back. He starts walking off. It's like, okay, crap, just stay broadside, stay broadside. So he didn't. He, he quartered away and kept walking. Got out to a spot that I had previously ranged. I knew it was 30 yards. And he was broadside between two little saplings. And he stopped. I went, okay, here it is. Right behind the ribs, this is over. Let the arrow fly. Right as I shot, he stepped. So it hit a little further back than what I wanted. And, I mean, I, I know it was a good hit. Had to have been a good hit. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to back out. Give him four or five hours, get the guys. We'll come back in here later and find first blood. 
Gave him an hour before he even got down. Slipped out of the woods, got back, called everyone, and four and a half, five hours later, we went back in and just started trying to find first blood. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I didn't get full penetration, which kind of shocks me, but also adds to the conundrum of the shot. So it went in behind the ribs, but it didn't penetrate. I could see the tail end of the fletchings and the knock bouncing in it as it ran off. So I'm thinking, okay, I hit the opposite side shoulder. Well, that would tell you, you know, a little bit of high guts, liver, at least one lung, and maybe some of the heart. So I was like, well, let's just back out, give him more time, we'll come back tomorrow. You know, 18 hours should be plenty. <laughs> we get back in there, start searching in the daylight. We don't find so much as a hair. No blood, no nothing. We scoured the place for eight hours. Didn't find a single sign. I jumped two bucks out of bed, went and scoured the beds. No nothing to make me think they were hit. Both of them jumped off and ran fine, so I don't think it was them. My only guess is that deer went down. There was a real big uh, wetland down below the block of property. And if he got down into that, there was no getting to him. So we did everything we could, could not find the deer. And man, I have reconstructed this shot in my head 10,000 times trying to figure out what went wrong, what happened. And I am at a complete loss for words. Because I'm a 550 grain arrow with a Zeus on the tip, buried all the way into the fletchings. No exit. So that tells me it had to go in and go clear up to the chest. Would have broke the diaphragm. Would have certainly got at least a lung, if not the liver. And in that situation, 18 hours would have been enough to put that deer down. I don't know. And it's not like you were walking around pushing the deer around. You literally left the deer alone. Yeah. I mean, I slipped. It was four hours before people were even in the parking area 600 yards away. You know, so if that deer went and bedded down, it would have probably stayed bedded. And when we went into search for blood, we worked in 40, 50 yards. I mean, we really weren't. If that deer went that far. It wasn't enough to blow that deer out if he was that wounded. Do you think, how high do you think that it was on there? Uh, it was three inches below the spine at a fairly steep angle. My feet were 23 feet off the ground. So it would have been so a high angle no entry. Thing. No, it would have gone straight from the top of just below his spine, three inches behind the ribs. And it was a direct shot to the front part of the offside shoulder at the angle that, I mean, I've even done it on my 3d target out here. I've recreated it. Everything I've tried, unless that deer was almost broadside should have died. Cause then it would have just passed through high gut, hmm. but any quarter. Well, in, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, if it was pure gut, that arrow would have zipped right through it. It, it would have been dead. It would have had, you would have found him. Yeah. It, even still, it would have passed through. We would have had an arrow. Right. You don't have an arrow. You don't have hair. You don't have blood. You don't have nothing. And it was, it was mind-boggling. Like, I've never seen that. Like, a deer like that, you're, you're going to stumble across him in a couple hundred yards. 
I mean, especially having 18 hours delay. Well, you're going to come across some type of sign where it starts to fill up, where it starts to do, you know what I'm saying? Well, like there's something. If the, you think internally, if you shoot that arrow and he goes and beds down, they tend to bed down on the wounded side, pack that wound full of dirt, stop the bleeding. There was no sign of that deer bedding. There was no blood loss. There was no nothing. I mean, disappeared. Not a single sign. I could understand that if I could, if I found my arrow and could have been like, oh, you know, maybe it was no man's or maybe it was a complete Muscle miss, but or... I know it's not because I watched the damn thing run off with an arrow going out of its back. That's crazy. Like to the point, I almost wished I would have spined him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least you would have went down right then and there, right? right. I mean, it, it's, do and talk about a heartbreaker. You know, oh, I could only imagine, dude, the emotions. I thought we were going to finally break that streak, break this rut, get something on the board and kind of keep motivations going. I know Bones had us all pretty well jacked when he had that kill early on. Mm -hmm. Thought this was going to get us through halfway through. Yeah, my buddy Steve was down and he killed he one killed early. that I morning. Thought it was like, I was like, dude, this is on, bro. Like, this is, this yeah. is good. I thought we were popping and then, dude, it's like from that point on, the rest of the whole hunt just... I mean, it took me two days to get out of the funk. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. But, I mean, even afterwards. Yeah, but that's the compassion, and, and that's the compassion that you have for the sport. Like, to, to shoot a deer, not find the deer, tear somebody up, bro. Like, if you're not human, if that doesn't bother you. Oh, I hear you. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, I didn't want to quit looking, but everyone with me is like, look, we've literally colored this block of woods out with our track. Like, you look at it, and it looked like a kid with a crayon colored it out. There there was nothing left to look at. And they said, we, we got to call it, dude. It's not in here. So I said, okay, headed out. I went back and just kind of sit and stewed and did some show stuff. And everyone can, man, just get back in the saddle. You just got to get back in the saddle, man. Get back into it. So I went in one spot, random spot, 100 yards off of a parking area, right on a creek next to a cornfield they were cutting going okay maybe something will get bumped out a 200 incher walks by no, yeah i wish <laughs> but well you're next to a parking lot so it's every typical thing any googan right. would do <laughs> well and that was my hope i was like you know maybe i'll yeah. be the lucky one that doesn't put in any effort i just walked <laughs> yeah, exactly. in found a tree there's some sign i'm gonna sit here straight googan set <laughs> yeah literally it was because like it seems to work for everyone else yeah, exactly. you know i think that in my head so much so i was like you know what screw it you know i'd Granted, I played the win, hoping things had come out of the cornfield, but nothing came out of the corn. However, there was block woods next to it, a uh, real fresh cut over, and I ended up having uh, a big old doe and fawn come out, which still makes me laugh because every sit I sat, I could have punched Bone's doe tag for him. <laughs> he got a doe tag, and all he saw was bucks. Well, that's what I was saying too, man. Like, we were constantly on deer, man. There was no lack of being on deer. Oh, yeah, we, we, we deer. saw a deer. Like, we did it right. Deer was not not the problem. I think that the timing was where it was at. And then yes. being home, Damien had texted me and said that things had just started to fire off. Big deer starting to get killed. You got Steve Mardick and Kevin Tatro. They're down there right now. They're starting to see bigger deer. I mean, things. I mean, we were just a little bit early, and we. You know, th those things happen. Timing is a tough thing 
when it comes to doing a travel hunt like that. Like either you hit it a nail on the head like we did last year where those you just have those, you know, out of the, you know, 10 days that we're down there, we have two really good days of just deer fired right up. Or you go down there and you 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 miss it by a mile. And and that's just what we did. I mean, the, the big mature bucks were not moving. I mean, we would see a pile of little deer, a pile. I mean, it, in a sit, mm-hmm. two, three little bucks cruising, bro. I mean, that was nothing. Well, and that, that was one other thing, and I still swear by the whole midday hunt. I, I saw that wide 10 at 12 o'clock on the dot, mm-hmm. like literally 11.59, clicked to 12, and that deer came walking by. But again, he was going out of the thick shit bedding right back into the corn. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't coming out into the open. wasn't happening. I grunted that at him. tended to, man. I, I tried that. Pfft, them things paying no attention. Was it a wind change that got him up moving, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a yeah. major wind so it was shift. A wind. Yeah, so it was so a wind shift. It, it blew from my... It's not like he was cruising for does at noon. No, no. It was left to right. Yeah. And when that wind switched, it went right to left. And he walked right out of that bed, right up into the corn. That's wild. But, you know, hey, listen, you live, you learn, dude. You can't go there and be successful every single time. You can't go and, I mean, you're not going to learn anything of that. And and if, you know, to take the experience as a whole, we learned that there's other areas to hunt, right? That you would be able to pick up and go to different areas and learn different areas. You're not subject to those one areas. Because in all honesty, I didn't hunt a single spot other than one sit in an area that I hunted the year before. Right. Same here. The, Once. The only spot I saw where that I set that I set last year's where I saw the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Everything else was new. It was walk in, find sign, set up on sign. And it was straight up old fashioned woodsmanship. Mm-hmm. And I got on deer every hunt. I didn't have a single hunt. I didn't see a deer. And that's the important part, man. Like you're doing it right. It's just waiting for that right deer to come in. It's a luck thing at that yep. point, right? When you're there. You do you everything those... you can correct and just hope that, you know, you're in the right spot. And it's and it's a struggle, man. It puts it puts a lot of you know, it puts a lot of tension on everything because you and your mind, you know, you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like I'm near the deer, but now I need to go find more deer. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not seeing the right deer. And I think that's where my mind got was like Dude, I gotta find a deer. I gotta find a big deer. Well, I gotta see, find I, a big deer. And I think you're on to something there. You're 100 correct. Because last year, we went in and sat where we sat. We moved, well initially, you're like, hey, check out this spot. It looks okay. Saw some sign. I went in, mm-hmm. set. I saw some giant caliber deer. Missed a giant caliber deer. And from that point on, it was okay. We're gonna sit here and kill one of these deer. And I mean. You think about it, we put three full days in right there before we killed a deer. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really do that this trip because we didn't no. have a deer targeted. You know, I, I think if we'd have gone in and had set and seen where one was working, it could have been a little different. But just hunting this way makes, I mean, that's a risk with it. Mobile is we fun, were, but. we Right. And, it, and being over, over mobile is a problem too. Yes. Though. That's what I was saying in the beginning of the podcast. Like. Where in the beginning on our trip the year before, we constantly were trying different spots. Like I, I would drive to another area and try and find a deer there, or we'd try and find a deer, you know, like we would scout an area, somebody would go in and hunt that area, we'd scout an area, go and hunt that area, and then we pinpointed where the deer were at. 
Well, we never actually pinpointed where a fucking deer was at for us to go in there and te- in, in double team on those deer. Right. There was no scenario where that had happened where we're like, all right, there's good sign here. Let's go in there. There was, we'd never seen big caliber deer until almost the last day. Right. No, but so it was like, what do you do? It it's, goes back to that timing. It goes to the situation. And of course there's that little bit of luck. I mean, but we, we learned a lot. Yeah. We, we learned, we learned a lot. new areas, new methods, new accesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a few spots in there that I absolutely mid or early season would go back to mm-hmm. because I guarantee you there'll be killer spots when there's ag on, on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, just depending when we get out there and scout it this year, what's planted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, you, you live, you learn, you, you put pins on the mark and you just learn a spot. I mean, it's like anything, like if you get a new deer hunting spot local to you, you just don't go in there the first couple of sits and kill something giant. Like you need to put the time in it. Sometimes it takes years to figure out a spot. And that's kind of what we kind of did. I mean, it kind of sucks because, you know, you wish you could have killed something big, right? I mean, everybody wishes that they could, but the camaraderie of camp, hanging out with the guys, seeing everybody is, is really what it's all about. It not really, I mean, killing something is always a bonus, but I think some of us, you know, I personally got it stuck in my head of going and trying to kill a big deer. And that's all that fucking mattered. And it sucks because I regret it, you know, because I could have stayed in one spot and probably done that instead of moving around constantly and chasing trail cam pictures instead of hunting what I knew was right. Hey, that's all right. I mean, it's one of those things that I think it got in all of our heads and we were just under that pressure and that thumb that, and of course, losing three days of the hunt to rain doesn't help well we had talked about that on the phone dude like how many days did you really sit in a tree stand because of everything was so bad like me personally and and we say rain like a lot of people haunt in the rain i am so opposed to hunting in the rain when i'm chasing big deer because heaven forbid that i shoot a big buck and it is raining and then have to lose the deer because of something stupid like well bones's buck was a perfect example I mean, we shot that buck. It was nice. By the time we got there, it started raining. By the time we got in to start searching, it was a down, like torrential downpour. Right. Like right. two and inches an hour rain. And most of the rain was washed off the arrow. If you don't believe me, get on YouTube and look at it. I mean, that's after 20 minutes of rain. There wasn't a splatter of blood left on the leaves. That was mm-hmm. our only option was grid search. So Lord forbid you do that on a big buck. I mean, you're you're up the creek. I mean, if you don't find it grid searching, you're done. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine the emotions that you're gonna go through if you do shot shoot one and then like bones. Like, could you imagine the emotions that he went through? Like, am I gonna find this deer? Is it gonna happen? Like, it wasn't raining and then it starts downpouring. Now what? You oh, know, yeah. like, and, I don't think I could mentally take myself through that. That's why he called you and said, "Hey, it's pouring. We're going in." I mean, we didn't have to. We had to go. As you should have. Right. Like, the, you have to do that. Sometimes there's those one-offs. Like, you have to do that. Like, and the only reason for for trying to wait for me was to keep the time. Right. So that weren't in the woods trying to track it. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. the emotion of, of anybody, like, we all know, bro, we've all been there on our deer where we're like, I got to go in and track it. And then you lose, 
Yeah, you, you want to go in time, so fast. Like, I just want to see the arrow, and then you get to the arrow. I want to see first blood, and then yep. uh, screw it. He's got to be right up here, and then you bump him. And then no, he's not because you ruin it, right? Uh-huh. Like, fuck that. Like, that's one of my biggest fears. Like, Shoot the deer, get the hell out of the woods. I don't care what kind of shot it is. Unless you see it pile up and it's in your view, if you can't see it, get out for a little while. I'm an hour. Yeah. I mean, just Period. just give it time. If I smoke a deer and I know I 12 ring a deer, it's an hour. I don't care. Well, that's what I'm saying is even if you shoot it and you can see it laying there and you know it's expired, give it an hour. One of the things, too, that I kind of learned, too, especially being in a state that is the state is um, is a deer tracking state. Deer dog is a killer idea. And don't and the thing with the deer dog thing, right? So and and thinking about it, and after you had shot your deer, and it, you know, these things kind of, you know, me, I overthink and analyze fucking everything, as I always do. But like, and it and it wasn't and no, nothing. It was nothing towards you, but it was just thinking in my head, like, if you're gonna call a deer dog, don't go and track the deer first. Exactly. You call the dog. Right off the bat, let the dog do the work because when the human scent is in there walking around, like once you put that dog into that scenario, now there's human scent on top of the deer scent. So if you know that it's a marginal shot and, and Dan Infault did this, um, he did this this past season where he literally knew it was a marginal shot, backed out, called the dog and the dog ended up going in before he even went in and shot on the deer. I mean, uh, went in and shot right. the deer at all. Don't go in there and move in on that deer and try and find that deer. Let the dog do the work, especially being in a dog tracking state, if that's the case. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that that your case was that, but I'm just saying as a life lesson and thinking about it and rolling through my head, why would you get, if you've already gone in and tracked for eight hours, there's no point in getting a dog. Right. Well, and that's one of those things. Next year going into it, I mean, and regardless, almost anywhere we go where it's legal we're going to have someone on hand. Like we're going to have a, a number available instead right. of being in that situation where I was like, I got to track someone down, you know, and do all of this crap. And then, okay, we don't know if they're going to charge me 200 bucks or 2000 bucks to come do this. You know, we're going to have something already fair. We can call this guy. It'll take him this long to get here. And it's going to cost me this much to do it. Right. You know, and that was my yeah. biggest thing. Cause the only, I found two guys in the area searching and it would have cost me about two grand. Really? Yeah. But they're leased out to like all the big private uh, outfitters oh. and stuff. That's why. Because some of the some of my understanding is that some of the other the the smaller guys around are like fifty bucks because they just want to get their dogs on on scent. Right. And of course, you know me. I'm not good on social or any of that right right right. no but, no no. and i'm not i'm not saying this at any any means and it no, wasn't no, even I, a thought I get in my that. mind after the fact but, it was like holy crap like oh no before, trust me it was it was on my head out the rip i mean and even marduk and salter both said man you should look at a dog so i started searching and the only stuff that came up on google both the dudes were like two grand i was like you've got to be yeah. fucking kidding me yeah, some of the pages. So, and and listen, dude, this is we're just talking about this just for the experience for that we've. This is a less lesson that we've learned to try and pass on to somebody else. Um, and that's the only reason I bring this up, honestly, is like a lot of the hunting pages in that in that state. If you put up like, "Hey, man, looking for a, a dog," 
those guys attack you. Like, hey, man, I got a dog. He's got 15, 15 deer underneath him. I'll come down. I'm in that county. It'll cost you 100 bucks or whatever the case may be. So a lot of these guys, even if you have good shots, they want to run their dogs on them just to get that dog experience. So, and like I had said, like sometimes, you know, for anybody out there, like if that's the case and you want to do something like that, just reach out to those people, but do it before you uh, go in and muck up the area. Right. Because once you put a dog, I mean, a dog runs on scent, knowing that training dogs, that you're not going to help the situation by going in and moving in on that dog. I mean, on that deer, right. you know, it's just a, it's just a, hey, listen, it's just a life lesson that we learned that now we want to pass it on to everybody else. Yeah, so if you're going out of state and it's a dog searchable area, have one in mind before you go out there. Yeah, because that well, would have been you have very to, useful. Well, look, look in your mind, in your in your scenario, your head is in cloud nine. You're in a whole different place. Your adrenaline's going. Your emotions are through the roof. The last thing that you're trying to do is find a dog. And then you're like, oh, it's a lot of money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot that goes through your mind. So you're right. Go and find that thing way before you even step foot on any part of ground. Yep. Figure out those avenues. But, no, I think the experience was was something else. I mean, it sucks that you weren't able to find your deer. I mean, that was the most miserable thing. And that it makes it a complete and utterly emotional roller coaster. When well, that stuff happens, there there is that very small potential that there's that trail camera picture that you sent. That correct. That ver- it maybe we can't verify or make sure we didn't see the other side, but there's potential that there was a deer someone had a picture of two or three days after wandering around in there. If that's it the case, like it, I, it's tough because it's a cell cam, right? So and they're not the clearest things in the world, and it looks like it's semi wounded in that vicinity of where the shot wouldn't have had to been 100% to what you were saying it you know what I'm saying yeah. so there's a that very it, that it very, could have been sparred in a fight it could be an exit hole we really can't tell it could be a leaf I you know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean like it, it's, we don't know we don't know if it's that deer but it could potentially be that right it could be well I cross my fingers be. and hope that is and that that deer lives to be honest but who knows man we're gonna go down and we'll, we'll run through there and and shed season and hopefully be able to find it, you know? I mean, it is what it is. And hopefully we'll be able to make the best of it, you know? For sure. Those things happen, man. But all in all, I mean, the experience was a great experience. Ohio is now, it stumped us again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the curse is still on for Steven. Yep. You need to break that curse, bro. I don't care what happens. Like, that curse needs to be broken. Oh, trust me. I, I'm going to, I'll do my damnedest. I broke my Virginia curse. It's time for Steven to break the curse curse. <laughs> well, if I can't do it this weekend, then I will definitely probably be slipping out to Ohio during late season at some point. I don't blame you. And just drive down, camp out of the car, and just, I mean, two days I'm at a time. I'm almost thinking the same thing after, but the thing is after Thanksgiving goes the gun season. So you'd have to wait until like late, late season, right? Yeah. Yeah, that you January. You don't want to be there during deer season. You don't want to be there during regular season. Nah. So, but if not, hey, listen, I'll mail you a spotlight, and uh, we can really break the curse, huh? Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it's, we'll, a it's a joke. We'll go old school. <laughs> we, have, we have, listen, I, I, yep. You ready? <laughs> Fire up the crossbows and uh, spotlight them, right? No, Wait, so. you you got the double barrel crossbow because we may need the, two shots. <laughs> the double barrel crossbow. <laughs> Funny story. I and it's kind of off topic. So, I'm uh, 
I was skinning deer heads in the shop today, and uh, I open up the uh, the skull on one of them, and there's a piece of lead inside of it, and it looks like a 22 caliber um, pellet. No kidding. Like, what the hell? It went through the skin and it and it just hit the bone in the center of his forehead, and yeah. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Someone shot it with a pellet gun. Well, you hear like stories, like a lot of people that are like farmers or whatever, the deer will be in the garden and they'll shoot him with a pellet gun in the ass just to get him out of the garden. Yep. But somebody was intentionally trying to do something that they won't, weren't supposed to, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I got a feeling. You know, that between it's the eye shot. So stupid. Most likely. You find one-offs like sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like we'll, we'll find stupid stuff like that sometimes in the bigger bucks. You know, there'll be like a piece of metal or, I mean, a, a bullet or whatever, like behind the neck or and it's got like oozing pus and whatever else in it you know it's like what the hell but it is what it is yeah. you know these things these things happen it's what it is man people do it i mean you talk to the wardens and stuff yeah. I, like we were talking to the warden down in ohio and he was telling us some of the stories about i mean dude could you imagine living in a place like that like your temptation's got to be pretty high like, there's 150s running around the fields, right? I mean, like. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you see some dumb stuff. Fucking people must be like, what are you going to do? Well, at the what same I- time down there, they grew up and they're used to that. They're not like us. that it's like, holy crap, there's 150s in that field. They're going, oh, there's always 150s in that field. Yeah, but dude, come on. There's got to be somebody that does something stupid. Oh, dude. There's stupid people in every state. We know this. Well, there wouldn't be game wardens if there wasn't stupid people in that state, right? Exactly. Yep. It's just nuts. But it is what it is. But Yeah. Oh, well. I guess we just uh, live and learn and carry on for the rest of the season. And Yeah, I mean, we just keep our heads up. We keep our, our nose clean, and we just keep doing what we're doing, man. We keep just grinding it out. I mean, we both have deer in both our home states that we want to shoot, and we just... We just keep grinding. I mean, the best is yet to come, I feel like. Oh, yeah. As far as our home our home states. Like, the best is yet to come. You know, Ohio was just a great trip, and we we didn't plan out the way it was planned, but that, those things happen. <laughs> I hear you there. Well, I guess with that uh, being said, we just go ahead and wrap it up, start rolling this thing into uh, what we're going to get up to this weekend. Both of us hopefully will have something down to report next week. And... Till then, guys, appreciate you, love you. Thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.